Welcome to the Heart of Dad podcast. Heart of Dad is a podcast for entrepreneurs who are passionate about their families and business and looking to find more clarity, more balance and more alignment in all areas of their life. Come and join the community at heartofdad.com or on Facebook at groups forward slash heartofdad. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of The Heart of Dad. This week I'm in conversation with Sam Wilde, who's a coach, a dad and a husband. And he describes his experience of being a dad whilst running a business as one of many ups and downs. And as you'll hear, you'd think that normally you'd think that the ups are the best bits, but for him it's been the other way around. The downs have turned out to be by far the best. So sit back and relax and listen to our in-depth conversation about being a dad and an entrepreneur. So, um, we're going to be just having a little explore together, really, about what it is to be a dad and a dad who owns a business and runs a business and is a dad in the world. And um, perhaps you could just introduce yourself a little bit. Sam, tell us who you are. And This is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, as Matt has rightfully introduced me, I'm Sam. Um, I'm a coach and I work specifically to point people back to the truth of their experience and I work with all sorts of people um, from all walks of life but generally they're misunderstanding their experience in some way um, either through trying to create something or a feeling or their emotions and it's my privilege because I do consider it a privilege to point them back to the truth of their experience. Um, I am a dad, of an almost three-year-old little Albert, who's a little miracle in himself, and is what's obviously brought us here today to talk about this. Um, I'm married, I'm absolutely passionate about cars, and yeah, that's, that's kind of it really, to be honest. That's, that's me in brilliant. a nutshell. Thank you, Sam. A very admirably brief yeah. description. <laughs> um, and I'm going to come back to some of the things that you shared there because I think that there's some real richness in that already. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey to fatherhood because it was quite particular. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a rocky road. So it was it started about five years ago, almost to yeah, almost to the month actually, about five years ago. Um, me and my wife had bought a house, a detached, nice sized detached house, thinking we were going to have a family. And uh, we'd spent a year and a half renovating it, spent all of our money on it, didn't have any money left at all. And this is all related to being with dad, but it's a sort of a, a beginnings of. So we bought this house anyway to do up, to start a family. And the minute we'd finished doing the house, I was made redundant, so we didn't, we didn't have any money. Um, which kind of put a bit of a a halt on some of our plans but it wasn't until the next bit of news came that really really did sort of throw a cat amongst the pigeons was that I was infertile as a man and I, I couldn't I couldn't I, I didn't have we did as far as we were aware I, I had a zero sperm count so traditionally that's called male infertility right and I always remember that news hitting me like an absolute ton of bricks and I spent probably, because I was made redundant at the same time, I'd, I spent the next year building up a business, and that was personal training at the time. And against all the odds, I did manage to do it, but that wasn't without a hell of a lot of anxiety, what I would consider depression, some really dark times. Um, the worry and the nervousness was what got me. It's always the amount of nervousness that I was experiencing. I'd wake up nervous that something bad was going to happen. And I had therapy and I was offered happy pills from the doctor, which I didn't take. I'd always save those for the weekend. <laughs> and, you know, joking aside, that was part of my journey. You know, I did turn to, turn to drugs and alcohol a little bit. And it wasn't until we, I started having some coaching that my life really started to change. And I started to question my experience, my thoughts, where it's coming from, you know, these thoughts of I'm not a man, who am I? 
they were a really great tool. My thoughts and my feelings were an amazing tool, the only tool I had to really experience and to explore where they were coming from. So they were a real gift, but I didn't realize that at the time. And so then, yeah, so what took me on to be a father was when we went through a process called ICSI, um, which is kind of like IVF, but with ICSI, they take one sperm and one egg and they put them together. And they found literally a dozen sperm. I mean, traditionally, a man will have trillions, but they only literally found a dozen of really immature sperm. I won't go into the graphic details of how they got those, those but they, they did. And yeah, and we had some fertilized eggs. Albert was one of them. And him and my wife were reunited. And a few months on, we were pregnant. And uh, that's, that's kind of how it all came about. So he's a bit of a miracle baby. He, he, we were told he would never exist. Mm. And here he is. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. And it sounds like that um, journey you went on started with a profoundly difficult realisation around your fertility, which in the end was not borne out to be true, right? Yeah, exactly right. That is, mm. That's exactly it, Matt. Such a good point. And that is, for me... I mean, we've talked about this lots of times. I love our conversations. How powerful that thought, that assumption, that search for a meaning, how powerful that can be when it's wholly untrue, you know? And those thoughts of I'm infertile led to I'm not a real man, I'm not good enough. Who the hell am I? My wife should leave me. I should leave my wife, you know? And no, no woman will ever want me like this. You know, those thoughts were really apparent. But again, wholly untrue. It's just made up. So yeah. Mm. So you, you transcended that in the sense that you, you obviously you, you now have Albert, which is amazing. Yeah. And um, it's like that belief didn't limit you in the moment. You you saw there might be a way. Yeah, yeah. I think at the time it was very much just. I'm going to have to go along with this because I've got no other choice. Right. It was kind of, there is hope. And I think naturally, for me at least, I can't speak for all humans, but for me there was always go with the hope because what's the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. So it's go with where there was hope. And, and, and obviously that led to us having Albert. But what it did, what I'm so, so grateful, and people always say to me, you know, they, they don't believe me when I say this, but I am so fortunate that that experience came about because... It, I, I feel so grateful that I got to experience how powerful personal thought or the mind can be. And that led me onto a complete change of life. And that's where my coaching practice was created. And I just went on this search and I wanted to understand who am I? You know, if I'm not these thoughts, then who am I? You know? And uh, yeah, that was it. A bit, bit more about me in there as well. But yeah, that's mm. you know, back to that's that's brilliant. Thank you. And you know, I was just thinking also when you were sharing that how um, this is my understanding. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're in a in a, a tiny minority, right? Because when we think about infertility, we usually associate it with women. Yeah. And um, for a man to go through that experience, even if it wasn't born out to be true in the end. Mm. But, for a while, that, that was your understanding of who you were. And, yeah. and I'm wondering what that um, understanding has brought to you uh, in, in relation to other people who, experience, who have experienced or are experiencing infertility. It's a great, great question. I think the thing that stood out for me at the time is actually, even though it was me that had the infertility, it was still not about me. It's all very much geared towards, geared towards women. Mm. Um, but that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's kind of natural in some respects. Um, but yeah, I can, I now really resonate. I mean, I'm part of a, a Facebook group, an online Facebook community for other men that have experienced this. And I can see firsthand, you know, it is a minority, but it's amazing how many people actually do go through it. Really do go through it. And we, you know, we were talking about this with your your dad's group, I hope mm. this is all right to talk about. Mm. Talk about this with what you're going to be creating in the world, this movement. And the reason I think this is so important and so powerful, has so much potential, is because it's it exists, but it's never spoken about. I was going to say, that's, it's, it's completely hidden, isn't it? Yeah, it is massively hidden. And I don't think it's it's not a deliberate thing. It's just, 
we're, we're very conditioned. You know, we don't speak about it. Right, and I think you were touching on this idea that um, there's a lot of shame attached to, mm. uh, for men particularly, you know, for, for women, I mean, it's heartbreaking, difficult, mm. all those things, of course, a hundredfold. Um, but it, it uh, and of course, it does get wrapped up in their identity, whether they're a, a true woman or not, in inverted Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you can have a child or not. But I'm wondering about the impact for you as a man, you know, what, what was that like for you? So, well, it, it was interesting. That's a really good question because shame and guilt come to mind straight away because it, it wasn't just... If, if my wife, right, if we were going through this and my wife had experienced the infertility, then I, it's not that I wouldn't have cared. It's just that that meaning wasn't there for me. It wasn't the same. It wasn't... I think in, only in my personal experience it's very different for a woman than a man in, in some respects. Only, and again, this is just purely my experience, not everybody's. But because it was the other way around, not only were we kind of working through the situation, but I was, I was living with my own guilt because I felt like it was my fault. You know, I'm the reason. Mm-hmm. And then when you have to tell family members, you know, that potentially they're not going to have, or they're not because we were told we weren't going to be able to, any, any grandchildren and nephews and nieces and stuff, that lands on you. You know, so it's you know, it's difficult for everybody, um, but I think just me, I just kind of kept quite quiet, and in hindsight, that's probably a mistake. What what would you have liked to have been different in retrospect? Then do you know what? And this isn't that I genuinely mean. This is only just come up now, but I, I kind of knew you were going to ask that, being a coach yourself. What I would love to have been different is, a, is, is known early on that there was somewhere I could go to feel like I could just be without judgment. Mm. You know, it's what we were talking about in your group earlier, mm. right? It's having something where you can just be, experience, say it how it is, and just be full-on guilty, full-on stressed, but also have somebody listen um, and have permission to do that. Yeah, that was that. That's really what would have been very useful at the time. Mm. But you know, looking back, it's again. I can't be. I couldn't be more thankful because it's it's brought me to where I am now, which is an incredible. There's something point. extraordinary, isn't there? That how um, kind of the wounds and hurts of life can open up as gifts. Yeah. Into who we truly are, into that exploration, as you as you so beautifully described at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how we, we tend to wait until hindsight, you know. But I, I do think that's something to really remember, especially going into parenthood, I mean, at least for me, to remember that your experience that you're having in whatever experience it is, is okay. And even if that's you feeling like guilt or stress or anger or whatever, or you're happy, you know, it works in it works in the full spectrum, is is to remember that it's... It's, it's an experience and, and to remember your mind's going to try and label it but just live it as an experience that for me is, is, is probably my biggest insight so far so that's a very profound one what you've just shared there you know if I, if I just play it back to you you're saying really um, it's kind of like a radical acceptance mm. of whatever comes in your life mm. it's the route to greater peace Definitely, and it isn't going to feel like acceptance. Right? Let's get things very clear. <laughs> Let's make it very clear that mm. acceptance isn't, for me, the traditional sense of, oh, I'm okay with this. This is cool. I'm just going to ride it out. You know, infertility, kids screaming, oh, it's all fine. It's all good. That's not what this is. For me, acceptance is knowing who I truly am. Mm. You know, I'm the experience. I'm conscious of experience. I'm not the thoughts that come with it. And that, for me, is acceptance. Some people use the word surrender. Do you feel that's more uh, appropriate than acceptance, maybe, as a description of what you're, doing, what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I think surrender is a good word. I think that the, the, the connotation, if you'd have taken me back and said that to me five years ago, I probably, would have, I probably wouldn't have backed down enough to say, use the word surrender, because I was very much, I've got to do something about this. Mm-hmm letting go for me probably would have been mm-hmm. you know what would what would happen Sam if you were to to let this go and that's something a coach actually said to me mm-hmm. she said you know 
what if you're not this thought? You know, what if, what if you could let this go? <laughs> and I just remember this feeling of, oh, no one's ever said that to me before. You know, no one's ever shared with me that this thought I'm having repeatedly isn't actually who I am, <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, that was a magic moment. And that has served me so well as a parent. So well as a parent. I'm not a perfect parent, but now I don't need to try to be. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. That's kind of a good segue perhaps into um, life now with Albert and yeah. Sarah and and your business as well and how yeah. the kind of the intersection of those things works out for you. Yeah. When I talk to dads, you know, the word balance is often the word that comes out in the conversation. How do I find balance? And I was curious to know like what how do you experience balance in your life? Is it a word that's even relevant for you? Yeah, I think balance for me is spending as much time in my office playing on my Xbox as much as possible. <laughs> it's a balanced lifestyle. <laughs> I'm escaping and that's fine. No, I, I think balance is a funny one, isn't it? Because how do we know when we've got balance? Like, I don't ever really, I can't honestly answer that. I don't know when I've got balance. I think for me, it's the quality of me that my family get which is most important because if I'm oh, I could spend I'm very fortunate I've built my business around spending as much time as I can with family but that's all very well kind of having all that time but sometimes I don't want that time sometimes I want to work on my business sometimes I want to do something for myself you know me and my wife are very clear on that we've got to make sure we do things for ourselves right so for me it's about the quality of me that they're getting so does my life and do 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 I support that quality is what I'm doing supporting that quality and then the kind of if I know that I'm starting to find that I'm not really showing up as a dad or a husband something's not quite right so I, for me it's more quality than 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 quantity mm. actually that's a really profound insight that I'm sure many dads listening would find um, reassuring and helpful mm. right that it doesn't have to be about maximising your time but about the way in which you show up definitely for yourself yeah. and with your families yeah because I mean we're busy right I mean especially us dads who you know we've got all of us dads right I mean we're busy we're all busy so are mums everyone's busy but it's it's okay, you know, we've got loads on, we've got lots to do, we've got loads of priorities and we've got things that we want to do and that's all absolutely fine. Like I don't, I would never want to take that away from anyone. But the question I think is worth asking, which is what we were just talking about, is, you know, how am I showing up? You know, am I, am I really there when I'm there? Because I, I, like, I've talked to you about my, my family situation when I was younger and I had an amazing childhood. But there are times where I'd wish that my dad was just a bit more present, you know, she, he was just there a bit more. I wouldn't, it doesn't matter to me if he was there loads, it was just when he's there, I wanted him to be there, you know, even if that was just for a short period of time a day. Mm. So, I mean, that just individually, that's my, yeah. my experience. Well, what are the telltale signs for you now that if you're out of alignment with yourself in that, in that sort of way? It's a good question. The, 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 do you know what the telltale sign for me is, is ironic actually is when I'm with Albert and I don't want to be there I'm like I need to be doing something else I want to be doing this or I'm using my phone and that's a telltale sign for me not just that I'm not showing up to my son but that actually something's out of balance because it's never that I haven't done my work because I get my work done right? I've, I've done my work and everything is fine that's a telltale sign for me. My behaviours, I don't try to change the behaviour, but it's just that that's a root or a, it's almost a symptom of me for me to say, right, slow it down. Yeah. Take the phone away. Beautiful. That's that, Show up, man. That certainly resonates with me and I'm sure it would resonate with other people listening. Mm -hmm. so, so do you take action when you, when you find yourself in that yeah, situation? Yeah, and, and actually it's funny because my son's uh, just coming up to three, I think I said that, and I've said to him, Albert, right, you see daddy on his phone right? tell me right? tell me I know. it just it's, it's, people might think that's controversial but I just feel like I want him to know what I go through as a parent 
you know. And I say, Albert, tell me, and it's hilarious now. He's like, Daddy, put your phone down. And <laughs> it's got less and less. He never says it to me now, but you know, but it's annoying now because every time I've got it, I've got it in my pocket. It's like, Daddy, put your phone away. I'm like, I'm not touching it. <laughs> he's on my case. You made that bed for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I did. But no, it's... But it's a cool one, really, and I think that, that would be one that I, you know, I would find... I mean, I totally resonate with it. I find that when I'm... When my hand drops to my pocket for my phone, yeah. then I know that something's out of balance. Yeah. And, uh, but I don't always have the discipline then to do what you've done so I think it's a really interesting well I think it's the feeling isn't it for me it's like it's like anything it's like when I'm washing up for example like if I'm bored or if I'm not like agitated and I should be doing something else that's when I know that's that's a cool home it's like Sam what is it that you really want to be in here you're obviously not accepting your current circumstances and that's that for me isn't an, a, a call to action it's a call to slow down right and, and that for me parenting if I could give any advice to any parent not that I am a great parent at all. <laughs> if I was going to give advice, mm-hmm. I would say exactly that. Parenting isn't about stuff, how much you can get done, how amazing you are. It's just about slowing down and watching growth in front of you, which is what your kid is doing, right? That for me is, is quality of parenting or quality of time. It's a beautiful reminder. Mm. Um, What's the best thing about being a dad for you? That I am actually a dad. <laughs> you know, um, that is definitely it. I, I think for me, it's there's two things, or there's lots of things actually, but the two things that really stand out to me, the stories that me and, me and my wife Sarah talk about, there's some of the things that have happened, the funny stories, just they're hilarious. And it's the things that he does, like just watching the things that he does that I would miss out on if I wasn't there, you know? Some of the things that he comes out with and, and some of the things he says just absolutely make us roll. Like, it's hilarious. Um, and being able to just witness, just witness a life mm. just growing. Like, they grow so quick, right, don't they? You know, it does, I mean, don't, don't know about, about, yeah. you, about no one, but I mean, Albert is just, if you blink, you miss it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, just the lightness and the fun and the reminder of how to play, like they bring, he brings to my life for sure, right? Because it can get a bit, it feels a bit serious sometimes. So yeah, that's cool. So I love what you're sharing that there's a kind of an idea that really the secret sauce to all this is slowing down, yeah. and then that opens your eyes to the gift you have in front of you that is unfolding. Yeah, like anything, it realization is better than actualization. If that makes sense, it's kind of like when we're trying to do so much, it, it, it generally we're creating from a place of need. Whereas actually with parenting, th- there is none of that. Like what our children really need is for us just to be present. And what that means is absent of need to do anything, mm-hmm. just to be there, right? I mean, you said about what my, my f- favorite things about being a parent, but it, sometimes it's literally it makes me laugh because you're like dad daddy sit down play so I'm sitting there playing and then I'll start to play he's like no just sit <laughs> I'm not allowed to touch this thing <laughs> I can just sit and watch him yes. play yes. and I get a train and I push it he's like no 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 that's my train <laughs> so I'm just sitting there watching but you know just being there like yeah. they just love having they love being they love being witnessed by their parents right they just love being watched and I think that all kids absolutely love that uh, but I'm sort of picking up on something else you're saying which I think is really interesting which is um, and I don't know if this is a male thing particularly but um, certainly in my life I've been really identified with being a doer mm-hmm. so being a non-doer like that example you're saying around sitting and just observing yeah. for me has felt at times like a form of torture oh mate totally still does mm. still very much does and presence you know we talked about being present it's not the absence of that it's not the absence of that stuff because that our mind is always going to be busy that's its job right and we've got to give it a job to do otherwise you know we're going to be overthinking things but it's it's the it's the inclusion of that you know just be with it be with it all just experience what you're feeling what you're seeing and not have to change that because you know he picks up on that Albert mm. knows right. when I'm not really there you know he knows 
So yeah. So at a very practical level, what what do you do then? You know, if you if you're sitting in that example there and you and you feel that impulse to to get up, mm. like for me, I feel that impulse to start tidying up in the kitchen mm. or something, or or rearranging his trains, or yeah. you know, clearing up the mess that's behind. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I go with that impulse. Yeah. I can't seem to stop it. Sometimes I don't. I manage to stay in my experience and. You know, just observe. What about you? What happens? It's <laughs> a good question. Most of the time, if I'm honest, I'll probably be that person that goes and tidies. Mm-hmm. I will. I just it's it's habitual. Our thoughts that we experience in that respect are habitual. We don't choose them. They they're experienced, and I'll often just go and do it. I go and clean or whatever else. But and there's for me, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it's just being aware of where that's coming from, the space that's that that, that exists before and after that and I think the key thing for me is what we were talking about earlier the thing that's really changed is to just stop beating myself up about it mm-hmm. like you know I make mistakes and I'm often get to the end of the day and I think I really wasn't present with Albert today <laughs> like I really wasn't and you know I've cut the grass and I've done the patio and I've cleaned everything's looking spotless but actually I haven't spent much time with Albert so what I've started to do now, because things do need to be done, right? You know, I like things tidy and clean. We both do. And there's a house to run. So I include him. You know, I've bought him a little lawnmower. It's not real. (laughs) It's a little plastic one that he loves. And, you know, I help him. I get him to help me with the dishes. Mm. And he loves playing with the dishwasher. Mm. Um, Annoyingly, he loves putting his cars in the dishwasher as well. So they often go (laughs) around with our washing, with our (laughs) dishes, which he gets some clean cars. It's car wash, isn't it? It's like, Daddy, car wash. Um, But... So really, for me, it's, it's, it's kind of bringing the two together. You know, how can he be part of this? Because I want him to know that there's things to do. It's not just mm-hmm. about sitting around, you know, and, and playing. It's all part of it. But how can we turn cutting the grass into play? It's all about connection, right? Yeah. What you're talking about. It's about finding a way to stay connected, yeah. even though the practical stuff of life yeah. has to be done. Absolutely. And there's so much fun to be had in those mundane tasks. Mm-hmm. That really is. And, you know, just watching him trying to put the grass from the lawnmower into a bag he's so happy about it and none of it goes in the bag (laughs) ever (laughs) but it's just he loves being part of stuff you know he doesn't care the context of which you're together in you know you could be doing anything but I just kind of feel like for me it's kind of great to bring the two together I think those are the memories that stick most in my mind from childhood as well is that when I did stuff with my dad you know when we bodged our DIY or you know did some gardening yeah. or whatever it didn't really matter to me what it was it was just that moment of hanging out that, yeah, exactly, that really yeah. mattered yeah absolutely just just sort of backing up a little bit you said something I thought was really interesting is that sort of um, looking at your day and thinking about whether you were connected or not and I was wondering whether that is a like a conscious activity do you evaluate your days mm. now and think about how did I show up in my day I do yeah it's actually more of a question in the morning for me it's like what do I want today to be about you know, because I, I, popular or not, I don't tend to set any long-term goals anymore. I kind of tend to work very much from a place of where I'm at right now. You know, I find I, I get much more out of myself that way. So it's more of a case of what do I want today to be about? And and that, you, you're probably right, actually. It is a bit more conscious than I thought it was at the end of the day. It's like, well, what's my day been like today? You know, and it's not a kind of... I never do it in, in terms of me judging myself and beating myself up about it, because if I did that, I, I think most parents would probably agree how much guilt and stress would come with that, because that is part of, part of being a parent, right? A big part of it. But for me, it's kind of, yeah, just a bit of a bit of a check-in, really. You know, what was today like? You know, and then waking up the next morning, what do I want today to be about? And sometimes, honestly, it is, today I want today to be about business. Mm-hmm. Today I'm going to make today about business because there's things I, I want to do and there's things I, I really want to get done. But that for me comes down to communication. You know, me and my wife are very clear with our communication most of the time. It, it drives her mad when I get up and go and exercise or go for a run and I haven't told her. <laughs> She's trying to go get ready to go out and I'm running around the park. But generally speaking, communication is, is just absolutely key. I was going to say because... I was curious about how that unfolds. You know, is there a negotiation between you, or is there uh, an agreement about uh, how you're going to spend your time, and how do you how do you make that work? It's a good question. 
I mean, we've been together f- nearly 16 years, but 15 and a half years, me and Sarah. We met when we were very young. I think the reason we've stuck together, apart from the obvious attraction, is that exactly at communication. It's that this is what I need, and she'll be very clear on what she needs. And we hold each other to that. It's, it's not trying to change the other person. You know, it's accepting them fully and not allowing that, but accepting that. Like, it's really important to accept that, you know. And I made it very clear to her, and we both did, we both talked about this, and it hasn't been easy. I mean, we've had conversations where, like, most couples probably, it's like, oh, is this right? Should we stick together? You know, we, you, you inevitably have those mm-hmm. conversations, right, if you're going to be with someone a long time. But what it always comes down to for us is, you know, let's be really clear. What, am I, what do I need? What do you need? And let's make sure we've got that. Um, and we, we've kind of got it nailed down, really, I think, unless I just forget to say, <laughs> which happens quite right. a bit. <laughs> right. Right. Probably the thing that she would agree with. <laughs> just forget. <laughs> but it sounds like you have a, like a framework set up yeah. in which to allow... So my original question was around balance, wasn't it? You mm-hmm. said, and I kind of agree with you. There's, there's, to me, there's no such thing as balance in a sense. It's a kind of a... It creates an artificial, artificial pressure mm. that life should be a certain way and actually it ebbs and flows. Yeah. Sometimes the pull is to spend time with your with your boy, sometimes mm. it's to spend time as a family, sometimes it's to spend time on your business, sometimes yeah. it's to spend time on yourself and that's all okay, that's part of the ebb and flow. Definitely. I, I think as well on that, that's a really important point actually, Matt. I think many of us, and this goes with just life generally, we try and create balance, whereas actually if you look at how life actually works and how we work, especially as parents... There is no such thing as balance. It's creating the perfect counterbalance. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like that. We, I think when we look at balance, it's mm-hmm. like the, the, the ways are the same. Whereas actually, for me, this is more of a let's create a, a perfect counterbalance. Yeah. You know, because it yeah. always swings. Yeah. You know, and when you're down one way, it's like, oh, it should be more like that. But it doesn't need to be like that. It's like this is very deliberate, you know. I think knowing that and accepting it is um, a massive contributor to a sense of well-being and happiness in yeah. life because when you re- when I've resisted that when I get attached to ideas you know as we've spoken about in yeah. depth at times yeah, yeah. ideas about how a day should be or yeah. um, you know or I try to impose my idea of balance mm. on this dynamic system then uh, it's screwed basically yeah you know I'm, I'm screwed the family's screwed we're all screwed because it's just yeah. going to fall apart or get very het up or yeah it's it messy doesn't yeah. it I mean, if you figure it out, let me know. And that'd be great. <laughs> so now I'm looking to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on a little bit then. Um, what What's the hardest thing for you about being a dad? You've touched on a few things really today. Definitely for me, the anger. Mm. I find... What, what they don't tell you. <laughs> I did. We went to NCT, which actually was really great for us. We made a lot of really great friends. Um, what they don't teach you is the frustration and the anger that comes with being a parent mm-hmm. like, and I'm not afraid to talk about this because I've talked to so many of my friends about this and uh, to begin with I was kind of taken a bit by surprise because I had this beautiful little baby you know he's so innocent and I was finding like, I wasn't sleeping he was crying I'd change his nappy and then I'd want to I'd like literally an hour of sleep and then he don't do another poo in his nappy and you're like oh my god I've got to change it and then he does it on you and you're just angry you're just pissed off and angry and that took me by surprise because I was I, I shouldn't feel like this like this is not his fault like rationally but that's so important to remember that your feelings do not define you it's a momentary experience I think it's incredibly confusing that I'm so yeah. glad you brought it up because <laughs> I think for for many dads you know that is a, a source of enormous guilt and mm. and shame you know getting in touch with anger and you know, I know that certainly with for, for me as a parent there are times when I feel absolutely triggered into yeah. rage and, and on a fairly regular basis yeah. and I, I think when I was very engaged in a story to myself about how bad I was mm. being as a parent mm. then it just um, intensified the pressure I felt Yeah, it, it set like an unattainable target yeah. that I was always going to fail against and that, that yeah. made my life really miserable that's a really good point actually and, and that takes us on kind of nicely to the nature of that really doesn't it because it's my experience of this that the feeling of anger isn't the problem like that's a totally natural response it's fine to be angry okay 
but it's and this is this is kind of uniform with human nature at the moment or behavior or misunderstanding of experience in that the guilt comes from the thought that you shouldn't have felt like that right it's not the feelings yeah. it's the fact that you shouldn't feel like that and that's the definition of suffering for yeah. us yeah so something to be i think be really aware of is that your feelings are all right guys you know it's okay to feel what you feel and that feeling of guilt is going to be natural but just know that it's all right yeah you know yeah that's so cool and i think just coming back to the anger again you know because pretty much every dad i've spoken to in, in my friendship group um has talked about their relationship mm. with anger and it's it is a bit of a hidden yeah. thing you know particularly in the kind of the social media world and facebook environment yeah. it's all about happy families and mm. uh kind of incredibly I don't know if I call them standards well yeah kind of high standards mm. that, that people set themselves mm. and and if you fall into a place of, of anger which I think you know I would be surprised if there were any dad who hadn't had that experience some, repeatedly not just once or twice yeah. um, can, can leave you feeling uh, like you're the one who's failing you're the mm. one who's who's a bit different from the others mm. because it's, it's hidden right well yeah. I mean sometimes you see it in the supermarket in the street right but yeah but most of it is hidden mm. and um, it can feel very isolating and, and lonely if you think, well, am, yeah. I, am, I, am I the only dad with an anger issue? Well, this is it, because you don't want to be the one, the dad that goes, God, is anyone else really angry about this? Mm. I just, you know, I feel really, I get really angry sometimes, like, you know, almost like uncontrollably. Mm. And and it kind of makes you feel like, God, am I, is there something wrong with me? Like, surely that can't be right. And it, every single dad I spoke to in a, in, when they're being really honest have felt exactly the same way um, and I think it's really healthy to, to talk about that I think it's super healthy because otherwise what it tends to do I think it's like anything it, if we leave it and we don't talk about not just getting it off your chest but we don't understand what that is we have that feeling of or that that belief that oh, it's not okay I shouldn't feel like this and next time you feel like that it just adds to that story right. it's like and it builds up, yeah. and then you, you you kind of becomes a bit of a thing, and it doesn't doesn't need to, yeah, at all. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I think you know what you're saying is kind of normalising the anger mm. for for dads. Yeah, I mean, I heard a few stories before um, I had uh, Noam and uh, from dads saying how they felt like apoplectically angry mm. with their kids you know, around sleep or other other stuff. And, to the point where they didn't do it but they felt like pinning them against the wall yeah. or throwing them across the room yeah. and I think it's really real mm. I was I was shocked at the time and then when I became a dad I really understood that for the first time yeah. that those thoughts and impulses cross our minds and yeah. obviously we have to exercise self-control and and, uh, and, and love in, in, in those moments but I think it's I'm really grateful for you to, for bringing anger into the conversation because I think it's it's uh, often Neglected, and, and mm. people don't really dig into their, their experiences of anger as, as dads. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Albert was my teacher for that, really, because you know you can observe kids, and then one minute they're angry, and then they're crying, and then they're happy, and they don't question it; they just experience it. And that kind of led me to thinking, well, why am I spending all day thinking that oh, I'm, I'm a shit dad and that I, I shouldn't feel like this, when really it's just another experience. And I don't question when I'm happy with Albert. So why do I question when I'm angry? I'm, mm. I'm normalising it for his sake. Yeah. You know, and I'm owning it. Yeah. Saying, yeah, this is me, Albert. Right. This isn't a reflection of you. Okay. So it's a wonderful opportunity for us to talk about with our kids and say, guys, you know, you're all right. Right. <laughs> it's okay to feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love what you said about the kids being teachers as well, because it's exactly that. You know, when I see my son. Uh, you know, in, in massive distress or anger himself, mm. and then, you know, within five minutes, he'll be playful, engaged, yeah. mm. loving, wanting contact. Yeah. And um, I find it much harder to come down from my anger, yeah. to, to feel reconnected. Yeah. And, and every time I see him, he models that in a sense. It's very humbling to to, to have that modelled for you by. A, a young person it is and, and, and on the receiving end of that as well it's, I, I can really recognise now I think that really has been one of my biggest things from coaching is having somebody to talk to and having somebody to be fully expressed in front of that is just present with it mm. though you don't feel like you need to do anything with it it just is, is part of an experience and 
that's that's taught me a lot as a parent it's kind of just being there you know not trying to fix it not trying to sort him out not trying to change it not you know just really with him and, and that takes a stress out of it for me as well right? massively yeah. massively the other thing that came to my mind and maybe this is slightly out of alignment with what you were saying before but it kind of really struck me that um, as dads particularly if you have a, a childhood where your feelings weren't accepted or, or received and your behaviour was your parent tried to change your behaviour or how you were um, this experience that you're talking about is really about like unlearning mm. it's an unlearning process unlearning about the stories unlearning the behaviours unlearning the automatic responses that you might have grown up with yeah which is which is challenging it is challenging it can appear challenging to start with but it, it's it's this kind of it almost feels like an unravelling like an unfolding an unravelling you know this feeling of taking the chains off you know and, and the sense of freedom that comes with that because um, for me there's nothing more liberating especially as a parent as, as a man as a human because this isn't gender specific at all you know it's just that we're talking about dads and there's nothing more liberating than experiencing yourself fully and understanding what all those feelings are and just being that's so, that's so powerful because really um you know what you were saying at the beginning and, and you've been sort of threading through this conversation is that um, stories, beliefs, um, ideas about ourselves are kind of irrelevant in all this. Mm. They're kind of, they're the easy place to go, they're the automatic place to yeah. go because that's how we're conditioned in life. But actually, totally. if you move beyond that then and, and you see beyond the story who you truly are, then mm. none of this matters in the same way. It doesn't, doesn't have the same resonance that it does when you attach something to those stories no exactly that and all the things that we look for as a result of those feelings you know feeling better being a better dad being a better husband overworking whatever you want to call it those don't have to exist in the same capacity anymore because you're not looking for something you're not looking for difference there's just this feeling of I am and that's you know we're talking about getting to the heart of dad in mm. that that for me is perfectly in tune with that because it's who was I before I believed that was true and I'm not going to spend my whole life trying to be this person when I don't need to be right. like Albert doesn't need me to go and work myself into the ground or not be there because I'm trying to show him something that I believe it's like I'm just there you know and when I'm there it's quality for the most part <laughs> right. I don't always get it right right My, um, you're, you're human like all the rest of us just about yeah <laughs> just about <laughs> <laughs> I mean you touched on this a little bit earlier but I wanted to dig a bit deeper into um, the idea of personal freedom mm. one, of the, one of the things that I found very challenging as a dad is an idea that I got very attached to that I deserved or needed to have my freedom in my life mm. whatever that meant for me it was like a the freedom to act and, and mm -hmm. do my stuff and I felt a lot of resentment at times and challenge around um, what I'd call obligations mm -hmm. they felt like obligations mm -hmm. they were, you know, I can see they're not really now but at the time uh, they felt like obligations so, so how have you managed that in your life you know, the time, how have you created space for your own personal needs and how have you managed that it's a good question I think first off is getting really clear on what your needs are like, because there's one thing thinking about your needs and what you might need and thinking, wow, that's going to take up a lot of time. And there's another thing actually knowing what your needs actually are. And our needs are actually our, our basic needs are very few. Like, they're not huge. Um, and again, it comes down, if you're with somebody else and you've got a partner in this, it, it comes down to communication. You know, what do I know I need? And, but then there's also what do I want because as a, as a parent I'm sorry if people disagree with this but for me it's so important probably even more so as a parent to make sure you've got what you want as well as what you need you know because they're not the same you know what I need isn't always mm -hmm. what I want and vice versa mm -hmm. so get very clear on what it is you actually want as well because otherwise what I found was I was quite resentful about being a parent because I was like I'm not getting anything I want basically I'm just giving up all of my time I'm not getting really anything that I want and when I feel as though I'm, I'm going to try I just feel guilty about it or I'm not being given that time you know so I think it's super important to be very clear on what you actually want as well mm. you know 
um, but also maybe why why you're doing what you're doing okay so that's a very powerful question mm. you know, how, how have you got to that in your own life how have you got into your perhaps first your wants and needs and then into your why and to be honest the why I mean I, I guess for, for me it comes down to my own experience of being a kid you know I'd love to have seen my dad a little bit more he's an amazing dad amazing dad but my why probably comes from my own experience to be fair um, and what kind of parent I want to be my wants my wants are just my wants you know I'm, I very much like my own space like I thrive in my own in my own company right and I, and I know a lot of people do but when you're a parent you don't get a lot of that right yeah. you do because it's like right, I'm in from work kid time bedtime and then you know with me and my wife spend some time together so something that I made very very clear was I, I really want some of my own space my own time so again it's creating that and it's sticking to it and making sure that you you put your put your priority mm. you, know, you make yourself a priority because in my experience everyone suffers when you don't do that you know so true becomes a bit bitter doesn't yeah. it you're like well I'm not getting what I want you know it's, yeah. and it's as selfish as people say oh, when you have kids you give up the right to want stuff and I, I think that's bullshit I think it's the opposite to that. I want Albert to know that what he wants is important and that he should make that important. Right, and you're modelling that in your own life as well. I'd like to think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And not necessarily telling him, but hopefully through behaviour he'll see that. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. So uh, that's that's a beautiful kind of point you made there because it seems to me like um, there's so much unspoken influence that we can have as dads or as parents yeah. and families. And... Um, one of the through lines of this conversation I've heard from you is that um, in coming into a deeper relationship with yourself you've allowed um, yourself to model a different type of fatherhood from your own dad yeah yeah absolutely and I say my dad was an amazing dad but it's things of what he said to me as well he wishes he'd spent if he could have done, he wished he'd spent a bit more time. But he feels his priority needed to be to earn the money, and, and it was. You know, we weren't exactly, you know, wealthy as, as, as a family. And it's it's not even a judgment on him. It's just that I have I have the potential to have that space and time because I've got the opportunity maybe that, that he didn't. And and we've we've talked about it now. How, you know, if he could have done the same, he probably would have done. Mm. So it's taking your opportunities really. Right. You know been bold enough to do it and you have to see them right as well yeah totally because sometimes you, you can get uh, the goggles on that you know, I certainly have that in my life at times where I feel at, at the whim of others or a victim to my life circumstances yeah and then I don't see the opportunities to take I just feel browbeaten and kind of defeated by life yeah definitely it almost kind of becomes almost victim right. kind of feeling doesn't yeah. it that's totally how it felt or how it does feel yeah. sometimes yeah. And we talked about balance, and I think that's for me is when the, the, the counterbalance has swung too yeah. far the other way for too yeah. long. And it's like, well, actually, you know, I'll say to Sarah, Sarah, look, I'm going to be working a bit more this week. You know, I, I've got, this is what I want to be doing because, you know, and it, it just, it's never, it's never consistent. I think that's the thing. Right. It's like inconsistently consistent, right? It's never consistent. It's a constant communication and counterbalance. It's never just oh yeah we've got it nailed down because things change constantly you know but you, you gotta you, you gotta prioritise you, yourself mm -hmm. and you gotta communicate I think that image of counterbalance is gonna be the thing that sticks with me the most from today's conversation because I think it really it's a beautiful antidote to the word balance yeah and it, and it really describes perfectly that experience of family life where you're just continually ebbing and flowing and mm. Uh, and what you want, don't want it to be is completely out of balance. You just want it to counterbalance. So. Yeah, really, really love that. that. That came from being a kid myself. Obviously, I was at some point, and uh, <laughs> I always remember as a kid, I, I was always a bit of an anarchist, and not in terms of like I have to, you know, be disruptive, but just I kind of feel as though things have got too far this way. I need to be a be a bit naughty or I need to do this or I need to just break the rules a little bit and there was always this and I kind of grew up just knowing that it's funny because I always resented just complete balance so I just find it really boring or the search or the seeking yeah, of balance I yeah. kind of really enjoy this you know this one extreme to the other kind of thing I always have done 
Oh, it sounds like you're a thrill seeker. Do you like roller, roller coasters? Love them. Yeah. <laughs> Love them. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Great. Well, um, I just want to see if I had any more questions for you, Sam. This has been brilliant. Um, I think we've touched on this, but I just want to ask it to you anyway around kind of running your business mm. and um, in what other impacts does running a business have? on you your role as a dad you know, positive and negative the positives are I, I have a lot of time you know I'm very fortunate I won't say lucky because I've worked my ass off to get where I am mm-hmm. now but I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of time and that sounds like an absolute blessing I think we're all kind of on some level seeking more time whether that's later on or now the downside to that is because I like I like being creative I like doing stuff I like being busy and not just from a place of need but I, I love I love doing mm-hmm. I, I get really excited about that sort of thing so that's a real positive for time but it can be a bit of a negative as well you know if I don't manage my time or manage myself within that time yeah. you know being present with what is in that time and so yeah I would say that the positives about having the business are the time and the resources you know because money too right mm-hmm. and I'm always at home because I work from home but the negatives to that is that it can swing too far the other way sometimes you know and creating that counterbalance mm. is a challenge you know an ongoing challenge ongoing right yeah right yeah I, I think we d- just if I could give anyone some advice is not to fall into the trap of seeking solutions like permanent solutions because that kind of makes our current experience seem like it shouldn't be you know it's like I'm seeking this permanent solution you chances are we're never going to find one mm. it's like right now like why am I really present with what I'm mm. doing right now um, and that's where we talked a little bit about goals why well, I don't set goals anymore because that stops me it kind of gives me this attachment to outcome whereas it stops me showing up thoroughly in everything I'm doing now Yeah, if that makes some yeah. sense so they're the positives and negatives brilliant thank you so much I've loved this conversation with me you too. Um, if people want to find out more about you where, where should they yeah. look so you can watch Crime Watch. I'm on there quite a bit. <laughs> no, you can. Your best bet's to find my Facebook group. Actually, I like to. I have a website which I talk about, but you can find my Facebook group, which is Wake the F Up, um, and that's really all about this sort of stuff. Right? It's just about understanding our true nature. Um, or you can go to my website, which is just Sam Wild Coaching, Wild with an E, obviously. Mm. Don't forget that. I'll put the link in the uh, in the descriptions yeah. for, for both things. And yeah, and the only other way is. Uh, Shine the Batman symbol at night, and I'll, oh, that's I'll rock up. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't have given the secret away. Well, it's <laughs> time people knew. Really. Oh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. It's been an absolute pleasure, Sam. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you.